0: You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture
1: and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author, filmmaker, and book devourer Mallory O'Meara. And I'm Bria Grant, actress, filmmaker, and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about book quirks and interviewing Mike Chen. But first... What are you reading, Bria? I just started this book called The Water Cure by Sophie McIntosh. I've seen that at a bunch of bookstores. It's been like... It was like on the buzzy book. book. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Although, I think it came out last year. And maybe it just came out in America I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure it came out recently. I'm looking at the d- originally published date and it says 2018, which surprised me. Oh no, maybe in America it came out 2019. I don't know why it says 2018. Anyway, um, it is, I just started it, so I can't tell you, but it's a really eerily written apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic sort of feminist book where um, there's three sisters and their mother, a woman who I assume is their mother. I don't yeah, I think they call her mother. Yeah, she's their mother. It's all about how they're vulnerable to men, and they're living some place where men can't get to. And I, I haven't figured there? out why or how yet. Can I, I move in? <laughs> and Do women they take cats keep showing up on the shore of this place. It's like a beachish place. I just started this book, so forgive me if I'm like describing it poorly. But um, I basically that people keep women keep showing up, and they help them heal, and then send them back out into the world. And there's mm. some sort of water cure, but I, I don't know. There's a lot of disturbing things happening in this household, um, but also it's an apocalypse. It's written um, from a point, of, the point of view of the three girls at the same time, or from one individual girl. And so it's like it's interesting because it's like a little hard at first. You're like, oh, right, this is the girl that does this. So like I'm still working my way through that, and it's a little short book, so. I don't know. Seems really cool. People, it's it was described to me as a feminist dystopia or feminist and you were like, apocalypse and I was like take my money. And I was like I guess this is exactly what I'm reading next. Yep. Um, what are you
0: reading? So I'm listening to an audiobook called The Mystery of the Exploding Teeth and Other Curiosities from the History of Medicine uh, by Thomas Morris who also reads it. Um, so it this is it's just basically like weird stories from the history of medicine. Holy shit. Uh, so I love that stuff. If you are grossed out by things easily, do not listen to or read this book. The, first, the like Just the in the intro there's a story that I won't tell in detail about a scrotum and intestines that's very gross. But Ew. if you're interested in the history of medicine, which I am, it is fascinating. So if you love you know, the podcast Sawbones, if you read the butchering art, if you love medical history, this is just like a super fascinating, cool book. The audiobook is great. He's British. So I always love listening to British audiobooks because I'm like, even though I'm listening to a story about a ball sack, I feel classy as hell. (laughs) So that is The Mystery of the Exploding Teeth and Other Curiosities from the History of Medicine by Thomas Morris. And mine is The Water Cure by Sophie
1: McIntosh.
0: So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Caitlin wrote in with a story about little free libraries. It was very long, so we're going to uh, summarize. But basically, she had a job as a dog nanny, and in the neighborhood where she walked the dog, there were tons of little free libraries, like five to six of them. Wow, what magical neighborhood was this? All right, we got to move there. And so she ended up collecting so it's many Mallory's neighborhood. F- <laughs> it's, it's, it's right. They're all it's just my books. Uh, so she ended up collecting so many free books that they started taking over her apartment and putting tension in her marriage. Oh no,
1: um, what did she do?
0: She's fine now. Okay. Everything's okay. So she ended up not working there anymore. But I think it's funny that she was like, it's like the dark side of Little Free Libraries. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's like the tomb. It's Too like, much free. Too. It's uh, the too black, black mirror version yeah. of Little Free Library is mm-hmm. taking over your life.
1: Uh, Victoria wrote in with two wheelhouses. Their fiction one is huge, sprawling cast of characters. <laughs> Everyone was doomed from the beginning. They just didn't know it yet. Found footage fiction, i.e. House of we- Leaves, World War Z, Fantastic Land. You know what? I think I like that, too. It was the best of humanity. It was the worst of humanity. (laughs) And B-level sci-fi, like giant bugs, pod people, people getting shrunk, etc. I also like that. And then nonfiction, they like histories of a particular genre or type of media, historical cookbooks, interested. Um, Do you have any historical cookbooks? Seems like something you'd have. I have
0: historical cocktail books. Yeah. Which is—historical it's uh, historical cookbooks, are, I imagine, is great because they're everything probably just tastes real bad. They're like, you just make this—it's well, all made with, like, porridge or something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you have to make this in a hole in the ground <laughs> <laughs> and then put a bunch of squirrel meat in it, and that's what you get.
1: <laughs> uh, books about why and how nature evolved to do something ridiculous and or awesome, and ency- encyclopedias for one specific topic. Thanks for that, and you can always send in your wheelhouses to us. Yeah, you can email them to us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com.
0: Bookmark this week— of uh, the fun drive is coming oh, folks yikes. fun drive is coming okay so you folks don't even know the crazy episode that we have planned <laughs> we have well we have two big episodes one of them is absolutely fucking nuts and we have so many cool rewards that we're doing this year we
1: have been laughing out loud about the rewards that we are offering this year so oh we my hope God. you will also think one they're really funny so
0: i just there's so many of them that are so great so we're really excited we want we're um Excited for you folks to get excited. It's like the best week of the year for Max MaxFun Podcast, so we can't wait. Yeah,
1: and if you don't know what it is, it's just basically like an NPR drive. Maximum Fun pulls out all the stops. They do all the cool stuff, and then they hope you give like $2 a month to Maximum Fun to help support uh, making all these great podcasts. And if the, you give more, network. you get presents. You do get presents.
0: Wait'll, so I think it's for $10 a month. Wait till you folks see the enamel pin you get. Yeah. Uh, That we got, we actually this year we got to help design it. Yeah. So I'm really excited about it. Uh, So before we talk about book quirks, we're going to take a quick break. Bria, you know what's a really important part about being creative in the 21st century? Tell me. Having a website. That is so true. You know what the first question I always ask people when I want to hire them or look at their stuff is? What's your website? What's your website? It's really
1: important. It's it's basically like, you. who are you if you don't have a website? Yeah, exactly. Um, and where can you make a, a wonderful, wonderful website? Squarespace. Uh, so
0: Reading Glasses is supported in part by Squarespace. And with Squarespace, you can create a beautiful website to turn your cool idea into a website, blog, blog, publish content, sell products and services. And so what does Squarespace have that makes it so good?
1: Um, all sorts of things. I mean, what I love about it is the customizable templates. because, because I'm that's a big fan of Me well. too. You, and you can switch between the templates really easily, which is really fun. And you can test them out and see what looks the best for
0: you. Yes. I just redesigned my website, MalloryOmera.com, which is a Squarespace website. And it was super easy, even though I don't know anything about how technology works. Yeah. And I did BriaGrant.com. Go check out our websites. And if you're even worse with technology than we are, you can get 24-7 award-winning customer support from the nice folks at Squarespace. Exactly. Make it stand out. Stand out with a beautiful website from Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code GLASSES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain as for the whole year. So that's squarespace.com, enter code GLASSES. GLASSES.
2: Hi, it's me, Paula Poundstone. And it's me, Adam Felber. We have a podcast called Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. It's a comedy podcast where we bring on experts to teach us stuff we need to know. And, by the way, the guy who came to tell us what to do when you encounter a bear never showed up. Anyway, it's fun. You are guaranteed laughs in every episode. You can't really guarantee laughs. What if somebody doesn't laugh? We'll get sued. Join us for our next episode when we have an expert in consumer law explain to us how to defend ourselves against one humorless, litigious shut-in with enough time on their hands to sue us over our unfulfilled claim of guaranteed laughs in every episode here at MaximumFun.org. The Cat of the Week is Mabel from Greenbank, West Virginia.
0: This week is all about book quirks. We always ask our guests about their book and reading quirks, so this week we thought we'd share our own. So your reading style is basically like your fingerprint. Everyone has their own way that they read and like little quirks to their reading life. However you read, you're not weird or alone.
1: Somebody else does it that way. Yeah, so- except that that's not like a fingerprint. Because no one else has your fingerprint, Mallory. Because no so- one else has your combination of quirks. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Because otherwise, if I had your fingerprint, I would just go commit all the crimes. With, with, and leave your fingerprints everywhere. They're, <laughs> they're like, like, why did this, this person is something wrong with them? They just like are touching every touching single thing, every in the single room.
0: surface. <laughs> so, Bria, what's your first reading
1: work? Um My first one is I'm actually this is this is I think the secret of me. This is a true <laughs> the secret, secret of Bria. The secret of Bria. Is the, that, that was I'm, a
0: great uh, great movie that I saw when I was a kid. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the secret of mm-hmm. Bria. Did it didn't involve a bunch of rats in a yeah. cage? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, no one got that reference. Um come on. There's gotta be some Nim nim fans out there. <laughs> um so I think as like as uh, laissez faire as I am about my life, as like whatever, I don't care, I go with the flow, I'm actually really disciplined in like ninety-five percent of my life, which allows me to have that exterior reading being one of them. Um I think part of it, the reading is influenced because I have a library limit. So Mm -hmm. that's like super helpful for for me. And I also really thrive in that kind of environment. I thrive when there are limitations to what I can do. You know what? Can I just interrupt you for a second? I got a fucking bone to pick with
0: Libby. Have you seen the new Libby thing on the Libby app where it tells you how many people are waiting for your book? Yeah. I don't fucking like that. I mean, I feel so guilty. Well, I returned a lot of mine early. Yeah,
1: I, now I'm like, oh my God, these 19 people are waiting for this I book. Know. Oh my God. Libby. Yeah, but here they're like me. They're waiting on like 15 books. I don't know. It makes so me feel So I would worry about it, they literally have 15 books on hold because I, I max that shit out because I'm like, <laughs> I got to make sure. Because some of the wait times, it's like, oh, you have like it's eight true. weeks. Yeah, that's true. I love a limitation. So libraries work <laughs> really well for me. Listen, I've been like, I've been, I, I was vegan for so many years. I felt like that was like the perfect limitation for me because then I don't have to make that many decisions. Um, So a lot of times... I set a specific amount of time to read every single day, like a specific. And on the Kindle, it's really helpful because it's numbers, so it's like, okay, I'll get to ten percent today, yeah. or oh, okay, I'll get to twenty percent today. And if I don't, I'll even I'll, I'll sometimes even write it on my to do list, like, oh, hey, get to twenty percent of this book, wow. which is not a thing I actually have to do. I mean, and maybe if it's due back the next day, but really, I have work things. It, my to do list is mostly work things, but with reading, I will include like fun things, like literally. A couple of days ago, I was trying to get through a book, and I put it on my to-do list. I was like, finish this book today, even though my That's to-do amazing. list is specifically for work. So I'm kind of a to-do list junkie. What, what about you? What's your first quirk? Uh, I mean, obviously, my biggest, weirdest quirk
0: is how I read all the time and everywhere, and I read a ton of books. Uh, but one thing I don't think I've talked about on the show is my I'm obsessed with the acknowledgment section Really? Of I don't read it. I skip it. That's the first thing I read sometimes. You go to the back of the book. Yeah. I, won't re- I don't read the end, but— I So I think I'm such a nerd about how books are made and I love – public. like I'm a publishing nerd that I love seeing all the people thanked that help make that book happen. I'm kind of the same way about acceptance speeches. Mm. I don't know why, but I am so fascinated. Like it's really interesting to me to see, you know, like because sometimes authors make them really entertaining and they'll like thank their cats or whatever. So I'm always really intrigued by all the things that went into it. So it's like a cool for me it's like a watching it like a behind the scenes featurette. Do you book watch for a behind book. the scenes
1: in like a lot of movies? I do. And stuff? I oh, love yeah. seeing how things are made. Yeah, so I think that's what it is. Yeah. Huh.
0: What's your ne- what's your uh, next book quirk?
1: Um one book quirk and I think this is one people talk about a lot on the show is that like I am all about a new book. I'm all about a 2019 no old books. Bu- book and it is really hard for me to pick up an old book to read but I've gotten in the habit in the last few years of switching back and forth between an old book, it's been on my library list for a long time, or it's been a on my shelf book for a long like, time. When is Bria going to pick me right, up? Exactly. And going back and forth. And I feel like that is really good because a lot of times it's like those books are on my TBR for a reason. Yeah. I wanted to read them at one time, but I, I do like love them. To- looking in the waiting in the yeah, window I know, for Bria to know, pick with them. like a little sad eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Bria. But I definitely it's hard for me because if there's a new book that's like just got downloaded from the library, I'm like, oh man, like I can read this new book. It just came out in 2019. Like it's brand yeah. new. Everybody's gonna be talking about it, and yeah. it's hard for me to like go, no, no, this 2015 book. This this has been sitting it's on my shelf good. for four years. Is perfectly good, and obviously I wanted to read it that one time. Or else I also wouldn't be on this fucking list. It's funny. Yeah. What about you? So I have so many bookmarks that I like. Oh m- yes,
0: matching the bookmark with the cover of the ah! book. <laughs> Uh, So there's a used bookstore in Burbank called the Iliad, and I love it because they have like this little container of free bookmarks at the desk when you go to check out. And why are they they free? Do they say the Iliad on it or something? Yeah. they had like It's, a, it's like the Iliad printed bookmarks. But they print them in every color. There's like pink, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, purple. And I'm always like, can I have like five of those? Yeah. Because it's perfect because I can match them to any color. Oh. So whatever book I pick up, I'm like, time for me to look through my bookmark collection, my giant stack of bookmarks. And I don't know. It's just this nice. Like, I, like look at this book right here. Got a lot of brown on the cover. Oh, nice little brown, brown bookmark, brown bookmark. Bart, Bart's Books where Alan and I went to Valentine's Day. It's amazing. I just,
1: I don't know why. It just makes me feel real cool. Okay. So I have a weird thing to do while editing our podcast. Are oh, you ready? Yes. Okay. So <laughs> this is my weird habit every week. So it takes me a few hours to edit the podcast every week. Um, so I have a wish list at the library. The library allows you to have this wish list where you can just book, you put a little bookmark on mm-hmm. the thing. It's kind of like Instagram, like that little bookmark thing. I think it's actually yeah. the same sign. So I have a wish list at the library. And while I edit our podcast, I add new books to it, right? I do my recommendations, mm-hmm. um, which you're only allowed to do so many a week. And then I add books that have been talked about on other podcasts or I go to like io9. I go to like a couple more. Bustle has been having good re- recommendations lately. Yeah, they have. And, and a couple of like things like I'm that. I'm very biased about that because they recommended my They book. did?
0: <laughs> yeah. Ah. It was like a 2019 nonfiction book. Oh, you know what? I
1: think I did see this. And yeah. I was like, Because oh, yeah, they have really go good bustle. lists like, yeah. where I can kind of like just they go do, through. do good listicles. But what I've gotten obsessed with is um, that my wish list is now so many pages. So it's like seven. If I, Everybody's thinking is very different. But it's like seven pages and there's like – I think there's like ten on each page. Oh, my God, Bri- I know. That's like two – that's like a year's worth of reading. It's Yeah, it's more than that. I, yeah, I, yeah. And, and so what I do while I'm editing the podcast um, is that I go through and I clean it up while I edit – so I ask myself, would I read this book right now? And if the answer is no, I delete it. But I keep all of those books still on my phone just in case I want to go back. Like I could keep them written down. But now I've gone through and I like try to get it down. I've gotten obsessed with getting it to six pages every time I'm editing the podcast. And right now I'm like five over. And so I'm like, I gotta, gotta read five books from this wish list because otherwise read. I'm never gonna read all these books. That's so, so like funny. when people are like, Oh, I'm always worried about my TBR, I'm like, You have no idea. Because I look at it, I edit the podcast twice a week, you know, because I do the original edits and then you listen to it and you give notes and feedback and then I do another round of edits and so that's like it ends up being a couple hours so I just go through and I like preen this <laughs> wish list and I like mold it to be the exact wish-, wish list I want when I did that I did a sexy lady outline with my hands
0: <laughs> that's the greatest thing I've ever <laughs> like look at my book list and it's doing the, se- because, the sexy curve thing because sometimes
1: I'm like I did want to read this book at one time but I can't remember why and then I kind of obsessively go check like reviews of each book if I'm thinking about deleting it mm-hmm. because I have a lot of time to kill because I'm just listening yeah. you know and I can like kind of think about other things so that's a weird book habit I've gotten that's right really through. funny All right, what, what what is your last one
0: uh, I only will crack the spine of a book that I love. Ah. So that's like the ultimate
1: show of love for because me. Because it means you're not going to sell it?
0: Yeah. So I so yeah, that's the thing. I sell a lot of the books I read and I don't like. So I try not to crack the spine or bend any pages until I know. I know it is the book for me. But if I'm reading <laughs> this a book is true love, and I absolutely love it, I'm like, oh, it's time. And I crack that fucking spine. It's like me putting on a, a ring on that book's finger. Like oh, me wow. and that book are now together forever. And there is no greater betrayal to me than if I'm like reading a book and I've cracked the spine and then it has a shitty fucking ending oh. and I have, And then I'm like, what am I gonna do with this? I can't sell it. I'm just gonna have to, uh, this, then that's when I, it gets donated. But I'm like, God damn it, you've betrayed me. Yeah, wow. The true show of love is a little bit of pain. Oh boy. <laughs> because for like, it, like, you know, a lot of people are very anti cracking a spine because it, you know, it does damage the book. But for me, it makes it easier to read because you can really fucking get in there. Yeah. You can read it with one hand. Mm-hmm. It lies open while you're eating a snack. <laughs> and I don't have to use my book weight. It's like, that's all <laughs> like the, you know, it's not lived in. That's not really the right word, but it's read in. You know, <laughs> so you can reread it. It's read so, in. So wonderful. So if you pick up a book and it's all in my library and it's all floppy as shit, then you know that I love Loved that book. Love that book. That's Hell really yeah. Funny. So you can send your book works to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And before we talk to Mike Chan about time travel, we're going to take a quick break. Good morning, class. Good, Good morning, Liz Banks. Can anyone tell me which holiday is coming up? This major holiday celebrates giving an artistic expression. Max, Max Fun drive. drive. That's right, kids. It's Max Fun Drive. And when do we celebrate? Uh-oh, March 18th through March 29th. Very good, Billy. Now, who can tell us the story of Max Fun Drive? Me, me, me. me. (laughs) All right, Trisha. Once a year, the pod fairy comes to town and hands out cool enamel pins of your favorite podcast, they're so effing cool. Whoa, yes, yes, Trish. But there's more to the Max Fun Drive holiday than cool pins. Max Fun Drive is the time of year when all around the world people put aside their differences and focus on the spirit of family, friends, community, and podcasts. Oh, oh okay, class. Don't forget to listen to your favorite podcast from March 18th to 29th. I'll expect full pod reports when you're back. <sighs> I have got to ask someone why these classes are only 45 seconds long. So here we are with author Mike Chen. Mike, thank you so much for joining us.
3: Thank you for having me.
0: What are you reading right now?
3: So I last last night, I just finished Blackfish City by Sam J. Miller, and I have a, a TBR pile of about a zillion books. So I have to I get to decide what's next. I think right now I actually have to um uh, go through an arc of Famous Men Who Never Lived by K. Chess, which is a parallel universe speculative fiction uh, book that comes out in uh, March, I believe. Um, and I'm going to probably be hosting um, a discussion with her at a bookstore in a few months, so um, I should probably read that before I uh, before I actually start talking with her about it.
1: <laughs> awesome! So, can you tell us a little bit about your book here and now and then?
3: Sure. It's um so it's uh, a a character driven. Time travel story. I, I think like the the genre is technically either speculative fiction or literary science fiction, depending on how you want to categorize it. It's not an epic, um, you know, breaking the timeline, end of the universe type of story. It's about a father and a daughter, um, a father who used to be a time traveling secret agent from. 2142 gets stranded in the 90s and decides to say okay if no one's going to rescue me then um, I'm just going to live my life and he winds up getting married and having a daughter and then his rescue comes um, 18 years later and he's whisked back to the future um, and he has to try to raise his daughter from 125 years in in the future Um, and then wackiness ensues.
1: Time travel is really tough, and I feel like you did a really good job of dealing with the complications of time travel, because there's a lot of them.
3: <laughs> yes, there are.
1: <laughs> so, Mike, the big question,
3: mm-hmm. would
0: you time travel if you could?
3: Um, so, I, I've, I've thought about this, because um, I'm an Asian dude, and as an Asian dude, you know, like, if I time travel to, like, medieval England or something like that, I, you know, people would be like, oh, that guy doesn't belong here. Um, so, so it, if... If I could like have um if it's like quantum leap where I'm leaping into someone else's body and I can uh you know there's no worry about blending into the environment then um then there's all sorts of like cool medieval torture stuff I would love to see <laughs> <laughs> Uh, If it's just me, if I'm like physically in in my body, then um, my goal would basically be to go to a bunch of really cool um, concerts in like the 70s and 60s. Like I would go see David Bowie on the Diamond Dogs tour. Um, I would catch uh, um, Joy Division um, right when they were starting to, to get some traction in Manchester. I'd go into the early 80s. I wanted to see U2 on the war tour. Um, right before they really, really exploded. So things like that um, where I could probably go into these venues and not get beaten up because I'm slightly darker <laughs> than, than other people there.
1: <laughs> That's fair. Um, yeah. So what did the process look like for for writing a time travel novel?
3: Um this one actually it, it probably is less complicated than a lot of time travel novels because if you look at the structure of it, it's actually pretty linear. You you start off in, in, in like in our present day and then you vault into twenty one forty two for for about half the book and then you have the third act that takes place with um non spoiler other location. <laughs> 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 um so it, in terms of that, like, it was actually pretty easy of like these, you know, I just have to adjust people's ages and know what kind of trauma or emotional issues they'd be dealing with when the, the, when they experience the various elements of time travel. Um, so I, I know this isn't like creating a, a timey wimey like puzzle box type of story. So I was lucky with that. Um, There are some flashbacks in the first act, um, and that was at the request of my editor who wanted to ground uh, my main character in a a little bit more of his transition from being a secret agent into just an everyday dude. Um, So those I actually wrote separately. Um, We brainstormed a list of, of what were the key moments in his life as he decided to acclimate to um to his new situation so i would wrote, write those out and then i looked at the the context of like what 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 kind of thematic um element are we are we hitting in each scene and from there i was able to insert them and frame them into the first act i also had to cut a bunch of shit in order to fit all that in and, and that sucked but I, I think i made it work
0: so did you read any books like fiction or nonfiction that have to do with time or time travel for research
3: um, a, a little bit. So, um, I have an engineering degree. Um, and in my fourth year as an engineer, I took quantum mechanics and it's a very hard class with a lot of really, really fucking hard math. Um, and the, so the first week though, was all theoretical and there was this equation that the, the professor was talking about, about, um, it's basically like a relativity equation. Um, it's the famous e equals mc squared with a bunch of shit on top of it. Um, but the the energy involved in there, uh, it, it's this variable that like the more energy you put in, like the slower this particle moves. Uh, relative to everyone else and then when you add in like all the energy of the universe then the part then the velocity of this particle flips to negative so it is technically traveling backwards in time and so i i thought about that like you know i can't do the math for it but the the idea that it's going to take a finite amount of energy in this you know fictional science so i looked up some basic theories about um what you could do with that and i just kind of Used a very very loose interpretation of uh, of real quantum mechanics to to create a limit of how far back these people could jump in time, and that's really to seal off questions like, can they go back and kill Hitler? And I said, well, you know what? You can only go back 150 years. Sorry, you can't go kill Hitler.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well done. Um, yeah.
3: So so little things like that. Um, I read up about like people's various interpretations of the grandfather paradox um, and also just uh, generally Googling, you know, the the questions that everyone has about a time travel story. Like, why can't the Terminator just keep going back and trying to kill John Connor? You know, that sort of stuff. It's so I made a list of um, uh, of questions that people always have. And, you know, I tried to to make like at least one line of exposition that sealed that off or addressed it. So hopefully it will not linger in the reader's mind.
0: Very, very smart.
3: (laughs) That was partially my editor who said, uh, you haven't addressed why why you can't kill Hitler and every time travel book has to have that. So find a place to stick it in. (laughs)
0: That's amazing. So tell us about your reading life. Do you have any reading quirks you wanna share?
3: Oh, I wish I could read more. So this is the one thing that I learned about, um, about, you know, when you become, uh, an author and you have deadlines and stuff, it's like all that reading time goes out the window, um, and I was joking with, with some, some of my author friends about how I, I, I told them, I thought you guys read each other because everyone's friends. And they said, no, we just like each other because we're nice. We don't have time to actually read each other's books. <laughs> that is uh,
0: some true life right there.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, um, I I have a massive TVR pile. Um, I have a few authors that I always rock it to the top of, of my list. And otherwise it's just trying to chip and chip away at the list. I have a very young four-year-old daughter who, um, who, who does not let me read when she is awake. So I think like when she gets to a point where she's, you know, doesn't want to hang out with me anymore and, and would rather, you know, just be by herself, you know, drawing or, playing video games or whatever, then I could probably squeeze in more reading time. But right now it's I have to choose between video games, writing, reading or or like catching up on my Netflix queue. So it's a delicate balance here.
0: Awesome. So what is your reader wheelhouse? Is there any are there any subjects or tropes that will always get you to pick up a book?
3: So I'm, I love genre fiction, um, in, in all kinds. Like when I was growing up, um, I devoured Anne Rice, um, and, and was a very angsty teen because of it. Um, even before that, though, there was some really great, like middle grade and, uh, YA horrors, uh, that, like, that was kind of what I leaned to in addition to space opera and science fiction. I am not too big into epic fantasy. Like I, I just don't dig Lord of the Rings like everyone else does, um. So I think my my real wheelhouse is uh when you have um a real character focused story within those more fantastical elements. So that's why I like one of the the greatest bits of media that I've experienced in a while was watching The Haunting of Hill House. And I told my agent right away that if I could write horror it would be like that adaptation. Like I've never actually read the original book. Um but I, from what I understand, like the, the Netflix series was quite different, but the way that it was so drilled down to the character and the emotional impact of horror, both before and after, and, and the way that it shattered these relationships. So it, anytime you can get a fantastical genre element, but drill it down to to the emotional core of how it affects people, um, usually in a like what happens after type of thing, that that really just ramps it up for me.
1: Oh, Yeah. So where can people find you online and where can they get your book?
3: So they can get my book pretty much anywhere right now. I keep getting pictures being sent to me from like Barnes and Noble or like other indie bookstores, um, of, of my book in the front table. So as of, uh, mid February, it seems to be pretty readily available. Um, but you know, there's always barnesandnoble.com, um, which actually has a 10% off coupon for this month. Uh, so you should, you should use it, um, And also, you know, the usual Amazon stuff, Indie bound to check your local Indie store um, inventory. It's pretty readily available. So I am most active on Twitter, which is at Mike Chan Writer. Um, you have to make sure the writer is in there because there's Mike Chen, the food chef, or the the YouTube chef. There's Mike Chen, um, my dentist, is named Mike Chen. No um, way! <laughs> yeah. Um, there's, uh, like, a startup dude named Mike Chen. So there's a bunch of us. It's, like, the most common, you know, the common first name and the most common Asian or Chinese last name put together. <laughs> so so uh, Mike Chen Writer. I'm also on Instagram at Mike Chen Writer, but that's really just... I've tried to be more promotional like as, as we've ramped up to stuff, but it's ultimately going to just be pictures of my dog and my cats. That's um, all,
0: that's all and we then, really want.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's branding right there. <laughs> uh, and then I have uh, my website at Mikechanbooks.com where you can sign up for my newsletter. I try to do that every month. I'm pretty bad at it, um, but I'm trying to add in more things like short stories or cut scenes in addition to you know just general updates.
0: Cool. Thank you so much.
3: Okay, well, thanks for having me.
0: Now it's time to solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. This is actually kind of a crossover segment since it's a book tech problem. Uh, And this is... A good problem for Brea Grant. Okay. With. So Maggie writes in, I own a Kindle and have several books downloaded and waiting for me to read. However, I find that this almost always I However, I find that I almost always gravitate towards reading physical books. I realize this is not a negative thing. However, I feel bad that my books on my Kindle are not feeling the love for me like books on my bookshelf. Also, I would like to be able to chip away at the unread books on my Kindle. After browsing through my books on my Kindle in hopes that one will catch my eye, it dawned on me why I avoid opening my Kindle. All I see is a cluttered mess of books, including those books that I own and have yet to read, and books I have already read, those I own, and those I have borrowed from the library. Is there a way to organize the books so that books I have read are grouped together separate from those waiting to be read? Once I am finished reading a book, is there a way to delete the title book from my Kindle? Any suggestions on how to tidy up and organize my Kindle would be appreciated. Bria,
1: take it away. Maggie, I'm here for you. Um. Okay. The answer is yes to all <laughs> these questions. So you can create collections on Kindle. Collections is what they call it. Um, You can have one that says, to read, read, didn't like reading, don't ever want to read why is this book in here you can have all you can name them whatever you want cool um and then you can go it's really easy just just google like how to look at how to make a collection but i think it's even like just like on the upper right hand corner it's like under collections. so yeah you can make collections and then you open that collection and it's going to have all those books in it so you can totally organize your kindle i don't but i could see how that would be like prob like a problem for someone who really likes an organized space um, the library book thing is weird. So I get that. It's like the ghost of the book is living on your Kindle. It's just like there, but you can't access it. And it's just <laughs> the cover weird. of a book. That fucking would drive book. me crazy. But I think you can get rid of them. I think. Um, you go to Amazon, you go to your Amazon account, you go to manage content and devices. And from there you can choose the books that you want to delete off of your Kindle. So it'll have every book that's ever been on there and you just check them. And I do that every so often as I just go and clean up like, what I haven't actually read, and I will delete it so I don't see that ghost of that book on there haunting me. Like, <laughs> you never had time to read it. Get me. out of here, ghost. You got me from the library, and you didn't take the time to read me. Um, weirdly, it only lets you delete 10 books at a time, but you can go through and just do 10 more. It's like kind of oh, strange. Oh, that is weird. I um, and I do that pretty often. I, the reason I say I think this works is I wasn't actually able to test it, it so because funny. my Kindle's offline right now. It's on airplane mode because I'm trying to finish this water cure book. That's so funny. Before it, because it got returned back to the library. But if you don't have your Kindle online, it can't return it for That's you. That's so funny. So um, I will know for sure by the time this comes out. If it's wrong, I will put that in the show notes and I'll put it on the MaxFun.org, MaximumFun.org page on our blog. But I like I'm 90 percent sure if you go through and just delete them. It is weird, though, because you cannot delete them from the Kindle itself. You have to log into your Amazon. You have to go to Manage Content and Devices. Interesting. Yeah, but it is. I understand this problem because I don't like those books staring at me. Because it's like you can't access me, but I'm a reminder it's of like a mistake you it's made. like um, Marley from Christmas, uh, um. yeah, Chris, uh, fairy tale Christmas.
3: What is it? No. Called? What is it?
1: <laughs>
0: a Christmas story? No, no that's, that's the one. That's what I was
1: gonna say. No, Christmas Carol. Yeah, it's,
0: it's like Marley from a Christmas Carol, but instead of all the
1: chains, it's just pages that are stuck together and they're rattling at it, you. It kind of is because it is this weird thing where like just that cover of the book is still there and you can't do anything with it. Yeah, that would drive me crazy. But if you go to your managed content devices, because my Kindle is not super crowded and Mm. it's because I delete them every so often.
0: Yeah, so I I mean, obviously, listeners of the show know that I'm not an e-reader, but I definitely think cleaning up your Kindle will help you read more on it. I'm a meticulously clean person. And like, I'm the kind of person that if my desk is clean or my reading space is clean, it'll make me like 500% more likely to go work or read. I do not like a messy... Uh, workspace. I just can't deal with it. And if I opened a Kindle and it's just filled with stuff, it would just drive me insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also have a weird tip for her other book problem, which is, so I'm a big corkboard, post-it kind of person. Mm. So I think maybe if you pick your f- top five books on your Kindle that you really want to read, and you post it, you put it on a p- post-it or a piece of paper and tack it near your physical TBR stack or on your fridge or next to your bed or wherever would work, I think it's a nice little physical reminder that you
1: also have eBooks. Ooh, and then you have the wonderful thing of where you you get to X them out, which is my yes. favorite thing is to X out or check off of a list. Exactly. So it's, I mean, when you have
0: physical books, you know, for some people, you know, it's like, you know, they're they're shiny. They're right there. They're physical. You can pick them up. But if you have a little post-it right next to them, it's like, oh, I also you also have these five books. It'll help you, you know, at, uh, out of sight, out of mind. But if you have that little post-it there reminding you, I think you might be more likely to pick them up. And like you said, you get to check it off a list. Oh, baby.
1: Oh, I love that. I, I will say I have the opposite problem where I look at those physical books and I go, eh, I'm just going to read something on my e-reader. <laughs> like I That's go so look and I'm funny. like, maybe? Nah, I'll just read something on the e-reader. That's hilarious. Yeah. So if
0: you want us to solve your reader problem, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank Danielle and Kathy who are on our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. And remember, you can buy Reading Glasses tote bags, shirts, and bookmarks in the Maximum Fun store. Link in the show notes. And if you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It takes like 30 seconds. It makes a huge difference for us. It's really great. Uh, it helps us reach more readers. It helps us get cooler guests. I mean, it's just the nicest thing that you can do for us that's free. Uh, you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at reading G podcast on Instagram at readingglassespodcast. And you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag readingglassespodcast. Thanks for listening and
1: thanks for
2: reading. Why? Sandra demanded, quivering as she might yet flee him. Why do you have such a distaste for it, when so many other men do not?" Ambrose cleared his throat. You judge us all by the actions of a few, cousin. Sandra made a face. I'm sorry, Ambrose, she apologized, her voice still raspy. I'm overwrought, I suppose. Yalaga sighed. Really, my dear husband, for a man who is so clever you can be so short-sighted, she said with unhappy patience. What else is she supposed to do when any unmarried woman of Western Namorn must live her life and judge all men by those few who have successfully stolen women away? Each time a man succeeds, we place our daughters and our sisters under new safeguards. We put their lives under new restrictions. We give them new signs that a man in whose company they find themselves might plan to kidnap them. Don't we teach our women to view all men according to the actions of a few? Excerpt from... The Will of the Empress by Tamara Pierce. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener
0: supported.